Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. What is poppin', y'all? You know that I give you a moment to come into the room. If you're like Maria here with me today, you just got off of a call that is just slightly different than what you expected. So I'm giving you a second to center yourself. Find your chi. And when I do that, I am also going to launch this question here. You guys know how we kick these things off. Who are you? What are you? Are you an SDR? Are you a BDR? Uh, These types of things help us to gauge the conversation. Talk about the stuff that's most relevant to you. Change your chat settings down in the bottom right-hand corner to everyone and let us know where are you tuning in from today? Where are you tuning in from? Shout out your city, your country, your company, wherever you want to shout out, shout it out right now in the chat. That's what we're talking about right now. Shout out Columbia, South Carolina. I see you. I spent a lot of time in that zoo. That's a nice zoo you guys got over there. (laughs) Minnesota, what's going on? Florida, what's popping? Kansas City, I see you. Go Chiefs. Yeah, exactly. It's the weekend for that. No doubt, man. Vegas is going to be crazy this weekend. Yo, Morgan is over in Vegas right now. Uh, Okay, so let's kick things off right here. We got a lot of folks coming into the room. I'm sure we'll see a few more trickle in as we move forward. We're here to talk about creative strategies that you can use to close deals Welcome back, everybody, to the Sell Better Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. If you are tuning in live, welcome. And if you are listening to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in with us today for all of our podcast listeners. Uh, We always try to bring the best talent to the show, and we've got some closers here today that are going to share some insights with you. I am your host, James Say What Sales Buckley, and I am joined by Maria Mata. She is with Invoca. Is, Is this your first time on the show, or you've been here once before, right? I've been here once before, yes. That's what I think. Second time. Bienvenue. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm also here with AJ Amin Razavi. I think I said that name right. Hey, nailed that. <laughs> I did. Yeah. He is with Thoropass. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you, man. All right. Before we get started, scan this QR code. Check us out at sellbetter.xyz. Find out why we're doing this, who we do it for. That's you, the front lines, the people that benefit the most from learning from experts like we have here today. While you're there, hop over to YouTube and go ahead and subscribe to our Sell Better channel. This is where you're going to get all the greatest highlights, tips, tricks, techniques from all of the shows that we've put together and from our guests. I want to give a big thank you to our partners, win.ai and JB Sales. Win is now sharing with us 18 ways that AI can help you to win more deals. We have some sample prompts here for you. We have several AI tips and strategies that you can put into place right now and win more deals. We are dropping that in the chat. And be on the lookout, Bolo, be on the lookout for a special offer from John Barrows, our partner, John Barrows, in your inbox after the show today. Okay, this is the agenda. This is what you're going to get. Mistakes. We can't we can't talk about it without talking about what we do that, that's messed up, stuff we have to change, right? So these guys are going to talk about some stuff that they've changed themselves. And then essentials. Now that we know what's wrong, what, what has to be there? What are the things that we can change? And then I think probably one of the most important things that I am so guilty of this, how do I talk less and close more deals? It's the hardest thing in the world for any seller to do Put a one in the chat if you think you talk too damn much. Let's take a look at who's in the room. <laughs> yeah, look at that. SDRs, yo, SDRs be closing for stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute. But SDRs be closing, right? Like, I think I think it's a misconception that SDRs don't close. They close for different things, but they do, in fact, close. Shout out to the AEs coming in here and the frontline reps, senior leadership, taking a step forward. I love seeing all the diverse teams that come in our way. All right, let's kick things off right here. Uh, the status quo. We cannot, like I said, we cannot talk about what has to change before we talk about the status quo. So AJ, tell me, what is it 
that mistakes are being made all the time. Mm-hmm. It's easy to change. We just have to recognize them first. Call a couple out. Yeah. I mean, I would say something at least like that I see a lot and that I used to do coming from, so I gave him an SDR role into an AE role at Chili Piper and then into an AE role at Thoroughbass. And I think something that like I always kind of avoided that always kind of got me in trouble like later on in the sales cycle was just like tiptoeing around the competitor landscape, just like avoiding talking about competitors because I thought it was going to like put something in their mind that they're going to be like, oh, now I need to go check out the competition. It's like your buyer probably found you by Googling you. They probably also saw every other company that's like bidding on those SEO terms. So they know that they're going to evaluate you and your competitors. It's better off if you just like address that elephant in the room and talk about your differentiations and like be open and honest with them. You know that they're evaluating other tools. We know that they're evaluating other tools. Why not just like address it and talk about the differences so they feel like they can make an educated decision on where they want to go. And it might not even be yours, but that's fine because at least you're not like getting happy years. And then at the end, you're like, oh, they went with a competitor. I'm so shocked. It's like, well, yeah, you, you know, you just didn't talk about them at all. So you were kind of closing in the dark. You know, you brought up something really interesting there and it's happy years. But before we talk about the detriment of happy years, I am the guiltiest person in the world for happy years. I think a lot of sellers have that problem. Uh, Maria, uh, you said that too many of us focus on our goals and not enough on the prospect. Tell me more about that. Right on. Um, So I am fairly new to my role as an AE. I started as an SDR um, and I feel like as soon as I got into those customer calls, I was like, okay, now I have a new quota, right? Because as an SDR, your focus on that quota, you want to, and, and it's a sales thing, like you you want to reach your quota. But I feel like a lot of the times when you focus too much on that, you end up brushing through the deal and then you end up skipping steps, um, essential steps to get you through the finish line. Um, so I feel like that's a huge mistake because the deal, a huge mistake, the, the deal end up, ends up never closing, right? So I feel like you end up missing a bunch of things at the end and, and that's something that we really need to work on. The deal is in the details. And when we skip steps, we miss all those little details. I literally had that experience just this week where I thought, I thought I did a really good job given all the details, but they came back with all these questions and I was like, copious <laughs> notes, like, oh shit, I forgot all these things. Right? <laughs> then you start like next deal is a little bit different because you learn from that, right? Uh, okay. So we talked about some roadblocks. Let me know in the chat. What's the mistake that you make? What's the mistake that you make sometimes? When you lose a deal, when you look back at it, it's retrospective for everybody, right? Damn, I lost that deal. What's the reason usually for you? And can you change it? I'm always interested in the folks that are like, I do this. This is me. <laughs> I'm very much a self-identifier, right? <laughs> I feel like you have to be. <laughs> I mean, you have to be, right? We have to be realistic in sales. We are not afforded the luxury of living in this fantasy world where everything works out. We have to be realistic. And sometimes that's hard for us. Okay. Now that we know the pitfalls, we have to talk about the things that we can change and how we can change our behavior. So Maria, how did you overcome all of these challenges when you move from SDR to AE? And obviously for everybody, it's a little bit of a struggle at first when they get started, but you had a manager that worked really well with you. Tell me about how your manager supported you. Yeah, I work really closely with my manager. I'm lucky enough that I have somebody there to support me. And something that we do like on a daily basis is go through calls, right? Like we go through the calls, we see what needs to be improved. Uh, we set some goals for, you know, the next call step, the mistake doesn't happen again. 
Um, and I feel like you just need a second set of eyes. Even if you have a manager that maybe is not there for you as much, I'm sure you have AEs that you work with or people around you that you can go to for advice that have been in the same position that you are right now. Um, and just having that second set of eyes, I promise you, it just makes all the difference. Yeah. A second set of eyes can really help you. Before I talk about AJ's, uh, you know, different ways that he overcame these, let's look at Tom right here. Tom says he doesn't get deep enough into the conversation. AJ, talk to Tom real quick about getting deeper into those discussions to help him close. Yeah. I mean, I think like at the end of every call, you should have like a few things answered. So almost like set up a checklist for yourself. One is like why they need this and not only like why do they need this, but what happens if they don't? So like, that's a big thing. So I sell personally like SOC 2 compliance. It's one of the big things that's like my bread and butter. And so like, I have to fill out even like a, a part of my sales force is like, well, what happens if they don't do this? And if I can't answer that by the end of the question, by the end of the call, then I'm like, I don't really see a reason why they will buy or why they will choose us over. Mm. So like, think about the questions that you're asking and like really putting yourself in that buyer's shoes of like, okay, this is what I'm selling and this is the benefit that they're going to get. But what happens if they don't do this? Like what is going to be those ramifications? And that's, what's going to drive someone to actually pull out their wallet and buy something rather than being like, this could improve my process. Like they're more afraid of it destroying the business than they are about like the potential dollars that they'll make. Yeah. We, ha we gotta be super flexible in the modern selling age. There's no doubt about that. Flexible has been like a theme on the last couple of shows that we've done. I'd say for the last couple of weeks, uh, maybe even a month or so, we've heard people say, you know, you have to be flexible so many different ways. Uh, there was something about happy years that I wanted to cover. And I, you know, the reason I want to cover it, I think is because for me, when somebody says, yes, I am so fast to abandon everything I know about sales and just go straight for the money. And <laughs> this sometimes puts me in a very precarious situation. I have to slow down to speed up. Um, the tough questions, those are the ones we have to ask. But Maria, you said, put yourself out there. Uh, let me get, let me get a, a quick poll on the room here. Put a one in the chat if you are an outgoing extroverted person. Put a two in the chat if you consider yourself a little more introverted. Maria, talk to me about how you get yourself out there and not feel like you're not being authentic, not being yourself in a closing situation. I feel like your personality goes a long way um, in a deal cycle, right? Like the person needs to connect with you. You need to build rapport. Otherwise, the deal is never going to close. And so I feel like it is a fine line between, okay, this is what we need to talk about like setting an agenda, setting expectations. This is, we have to go through those motions and, you know, getting, you know, totally into a different place where you're not supposed to be going. So it's a really nice balance. It's a fine line, but you absolutely need to be yourself in those calls. You need to show personality and you need to build rapport with your customers. AJ, what are the tough questions? You said we have to yeah. get to the tough questions. Define a tough question. Well, I think something that I've noticed that has like thrown me off track too. And like, you have to really be real with yourself. Like no one, if there's anyone that's going to be sugarcoating thing, it's like, maybe it should be like your manager to be like, Hey, you're doing a great job. And like, obviously you should be, you know, confident in things, but like, you have to really like pick apart your process and find out where you're going wrong. And something that I do a lot is like, I'll get happier. Someone's like, Hey, this sounds great. And I'm like, 
fantastic. I'm not going to dig any deeper. I'm not going to ask these tough questions, but like there's things that you know that you need to know and that you want to ask, but you're afraid it's going to throw the deal off. You're afraid that it's going to come across abrasive or aggressive, whatever it is. But like those tough questions are really important. And so like writing those out in advance of like, hey, what do I really need to get from this person? And find out a way to ask them because tiptoeing around them is just going to create a pitfall later in your deal that you're like, man, I had no idea they were evaluating these people or I had no idea budget was such a big issue because you didn't ask those things because you were afraid to ask them or they were like uncomfortable questions. So like lean into that uncomfortableness always and you'll be way happy you did. Even if it means like you have to get that deal out of your pipeline, at least you figured out that that's not a real and like that has to that has to go and you can focus on better ones. Finding out that it's not a real op is a win for mm-hmm. account executives. Right. I feel like I feel like we am- immediately as- attach that to a, a feeling of loss. And yeah. The truth is that when you figure out that you can remove something from your pipeline, that's a win in my eyes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If the juice is not worth the squeeze, you don't want to go there. I yeah. Just tell me early though, so I don't have to like squeeze and squeeze and squeeze <laughs> and find out there ain't no juice, right? Yeah. Um, I don't really want like my managers to look at it and be like, "Oh, AJ's pipeline is huge. Like he's gonna crush this quarter." And I'm like, actually, like half these deals are not for real. It's like get those for real deals in there and get not for real deals out of there. But I'm bumps. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. uh, Maria, Lydia Sugarman said that she ignored a red flag. Something tells me that you have gotten good at catching those red flags and making a decision. Are you a red flag person? Uh, I am a red flag person because I just begun my new rule, right? So there are lots of red flags. And I feel like at first it was hard to identify them and just to understand whether or not that was even like something that down the line would, you know, prevent the deal from closing. And then now like you just the same thing so many times over and over again it's like repetition and you learn from it right um and that's why i also said like earlier on like it's not only about your calls you're going to start identifying red flags as well if you have the ability to listen to calls from your peers or if you can talk to your manager about things that they've gone through in the past like so that when those come up you know exactly how to deal with them the sharing of information on the team is so important. You don't have to learn from your mistakes. You can learn from other people's mistakes as long as you know that those mistakes took place. Let's move forward here. Maria, you gave me three closing essentials. Tell me about these essentials here. Uh, The ones that you picked, I think were expectations and agenda. Uh, And I I love those, but you had three. Uh, Talk about your three essentials and then we'll pass over to AJ to talk about how he uses his. Yeah. So for my three essentials, I say never stop prospecting. That's the first one. Uh, And that's because when I stepped into the closing role, I was like, okay, so what's the fine line? What's the perfect balance here? You know, as an SDR, you're always prospecting. As an AE, you have other responsibilities that don't allow you to, you know, do the both, like both as much as you would want to. So number one is never stop prospecting. Make sure that you're uh, finding the sweet spot for yourself and then set expectations with every meeting. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you're understanding where they're coming from and you're like allowing them to know what the process is going to look like. Um, and that's why I use an agenda, which is my third one. So with every call, you know, this is how it's going to go. This is how, you know, Invoca does things. And, you know, I want to make sure that's good for you and for me. Otherwise, we can always, you know, try and fix things here and there. And we want to make sure that everybody's aligned. 
alignment is so hard to accomplish sometimes when you don't have these steps, these checklists. And I think as alignment and understand everybody's on the same page. That's an essential. That's a crucial part of closing that I think is a non-negotiable. Everyone has to be on the same page. I've learned time and time again that when I'm not on the same page, it becomes very frustrating for all parties involved. And this big, long back and forth happens and you could potentially lose your deal. AJ, discovery, priorities recap, uh, discovery timeline. You know, Talk to me about your essentials here and tell everyone why these have to happen and how you perform them so that you can close more deals. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I have to stick to my process. I have a very specific process that I'll literally show everyone. I have it nailed up on my board next to me just because I have to remind myself before every call to like, hey, stick to the process, stick to the script, trust the process. Um, a little Sixers reference there. But um, so I, for every call, like, and you'll see it on my board, like I have to set an agenda. I and say the agenda and then I include like, hey, what did I miss here to see if there's anything that they needed to add? Because like your expectations of going into the call might be very different of their expectations going into the call. Like I think Tom, I just saw Tom in the chat saying like, what about like stating objectives leading into each call? Like that's 100% what should happen because if your objectives think, hey, there's going to be a closing call and they're like, I just want to learn a little bit more about your product and like compare it against a competitor, very different objectives and you want to make sure you're on the same page as your buyer. So I do that and then I'll go into like a discovery, understand their timeline to see like where this is going to stack up, not only for forecasting, but seeing like how fast things need to move and it helps with negotiation. And then from there, I'll recap their priorities before I jump into a demo. So like, it sounds like timing is important to you. Pricing is important to you. Like quality is important to you, whatever it is that they mentioned. And then after the demo, I'll do a quick check-in. What'd you guys think? Any questions? And then the most important one for me is like closed mouths don't get fed, right? So you ask for the close every single time. Like if, if it's, if it's leading to that, like if they have agreed with you the entire way, They've showed interest, ask for that close because they're not going to say like, this is great. Can I buy this right now? Like, do you take my credit card? But you have to ask like, one that I always use is like, hey, this sounds like this is a great fit. And they're like, yes, I agree. Cool. How soon do you guys want to get started? And that's just like an easy way to lean into like, you know, I was thinking like, yeah, you know, maybe next week. It's like, cool. I'll draft up the paperwork, send it over to you. and, And then you can set up those next steps that are that makes sense with their timeline, with all the objectives that they shared with you, you're on the same page with them, like leading them into the purchase, not pushing them into buying something. And the way that you lead them into that purchase, first of all, I love where you're saying like, when do you guys want to get started? I think I have a different phrasing. I think sometimes I'll say in your mind, what's the best, most realistic start date? Mm -hmm. And I think that puts people in a position of like, oh, let me be realistic about this. And that gives me that, that time frame that I actually get to work with. But a lot of people closing for different things. So let's ask, what are you actually closing for? If you're an SDR in the room, I guarantee you're probably closing for next steps, maybe even some discovery in there. Some people are closing for like, you know, payments or signatures. You know, what are you actually out there closing for every time you get on a call? Uh, Driving to close is very useful. Frank, thank you for the shout out. John Barrow's driving to close. Fantastic closing course. I appreciate that. Uh, Let's real quick talk about the things that we can do to Talk, think about the structure of closing, right? All of the above. Tom, good good answer. Thank you. So when we think about the structure of a close, Maria, where do you think people could improve the most when they're about to hop on a call and they believe that this is going to be a closing call? 
Yeah, I feel like when it comes to like you believe it's a closing call and you're prepared for it and then you get to the call and it's not what you expect it to be. I feel like that happens a lot to all of us. Maybe something changed internally. So I feel like it is all about like being prepared for the unexpected. And a lot of people are not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that's a, it's a place to, even for me, sometimes I go into a call, like I had a call earlier today thinking it was going to go away and it's a totally different thing. So I feel like as, as sellers, we need to be prepared for, you know, things that you can't really prepare for. It's hard to be prepared for the unseen, right? You can prepare as best as you can. And sometimes you're still going to have something that gets asked to you or that gets said to you. And I'll give you guys a perfectly good response to those things. Great question. Let me get back to you on that after this call. I'll get back to you on it. Everyone accepts this answer. If I don't know something, I'm not going to pretend I know. (laughs) That's going to put me in a bad way. I could be wrong. I'm wrong often. So (laughs) try to be realistic about what you're saying to people. Uh, When you don't know the answer, you can tell them that you don't know, but you'll get back to them. I think that's perfect for next steps. Like if there's, if you're leaving something on the table to figure out, it like gives you a reason to talk to them again. So like from, for my example, there's a lot of technical aspects of like compliance and they'll be like, yeah, like I'm not totally clear on this. It's like, totally. We should, uh, you know, I would recommend as next steps, we can bring in a, you know, an expert that can answer some of these questions for you. How's Tuesday? And it's, there's a reason for that next call. It's not like, Hey, let's just sink and see if you want to buy now. Like, <laughs> Maybe on the third call you'll purchase. Yeah. Like, they need <laughs> that call. Cause there's additional information that they need to gather and it gives something. So like I try and stick to that timeline that I have, or like that 30 minute call without being like, Hey, I can go over by 15 minutes. It's like, keep to that original timeline and then push those 15 minutes to a sync call. And then you have to follow up. Yeah. Uh, it makes it easier to stick to the close date. I see Dan Lehman here. He says seven figure deals never close when expected. I don't think it's just seven figure deals. Let's ask the audience here to participate in the chat. How many times a week do you push back an expected close date on an opportunity? How many times a week do you move that close date? For me, it's like three to five. Right? Like I probably I'll do like people always have like a reason they need another week. It's always finance. There's always something, right? Uh, look at these results, though. No matter what role you're in, you can be SDR, you can be an AE, you can be CS, right? You are closing for next steps half of the time. And I think that's that's a very like general thing. Even if the next step is a signature, you're closing for that next step, right? That next step is the buy. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about how we can work together with our leaders for a moment. Maria, you had mentioned that you had a great leader um, let's talk about how leaders can work together with their AEs to close more deals. Yeah, well, shout out to Steve. Uh, he really is great. So I feel like within every deal, we literally go through every step of like liter- like every call. We will like, what do we need to do to get to the next step? What are we missing? What kind of information are we missing? And we do MedPick here at Invoca. Most of us use MedPick. And so I always have MedPick open right next to me and I fill out every inform- every piece of information that I get as I go with every call. Obviously, you won't always get all of the information on the first call, right? Yeah. Um, and so my manager and I were always working to make sure that we're doing the best for us, but also doing the best for the customer, right? Because it's all about them at the end of the day. It's true. Throw your methodology in the chat. If you're using Spin or MedPick or... 
you know, ADA, the ADA structure from John Barrows. I, I'd love to know in the chat, just like what's the range of methodologies that we have in the room? Sailor training is great. I've seen so many different methodologies and, you know, no silver bullets, right? We're all talking about this stuff. And the truth is that pragmatism is what's going to be the thing. I see winning by design. I see value selling, spin. Uh, there's so many good med pick. There it is, right? Uh, Challenger. Challenger is really good. I see a lot of them. Uh, okay, let's let's move forward here. I want to encourage you guys, ask these experts a few questions. We've got a Q&A section down at the bottom here. Questions about closing, they can be as specific as possible, kind of like a what would you do if. I would love that type of interaction with our audience here so that the guests can give you some insights that are actually specific to you. Uh, this is going to be a sensitive subject, and I think a lot of folks are going to identify well with this, but we talked a little bit about it, but what about talk time? What is there a, like a sweet spot for talk time, I don't know it. <laughs> you said you were bad at it. I'm really bad at it. I'm terrible at it. Um, I posted something on LinkedIn actually the other week that you guys might see, where I was like, "Everyone that's in sales now, like, had talks too much on their report card." <laughs> and that's like, it's it's something that is so tough to to combat like it's just i something i do as a strategy um is i literally have like a physical cue to remind myself to shut up and so i'll ask a question and i'll like then i'll go and like grab a, a drink of water just to kind of like give myself a beat there and remind myself like hey man just relax like you yeah. got question let it breathe a little bit and like let that uncomfortableness set in I like the physical, I like the physical tip that you're giving here of like, ask a question and then take the sip. When we talked about this though, Maria, you were quick to say, I disagree. And I love that we have a disagreement here. Let me know in the chat, type the word silence. If you are the person that is comfortable in that silence and say, talk, if you are the person that talks first in that silence, let me know. Maria. How do you, how, how do you stay quiet and just in the silence? That was me just giving a sneak peek. Uh, I love silence. I feel like, and it's funny because I had a, a sales manager that he said that he had an SDR at the time I was an SDR that she, in every call, she would literally have a rubber band and she would like hurt herself or pinch herself um, to stop herself from talking too much. Um, and at the time I was an SDR, I was on cold calls. I wanted to stop, right? I was like, I am talking too much as well. So I realized that I felt really comfortable on those silent moments, like just allowing them to process what I just said, to allow them to like, okay, so this person is serious. She's not a robot, you know? And then as I moved into the AE role, I just got even more comfortable with that because I realized it's almost like, it's almost like a game, right? Like whoever speaks first loses. And so I'm very, very comfortable in silence. I think it's, it's an awesome way to get the deal moving forward as well and get that more information because that's when they're going to speak the most. That's what uh, Valentine said. He says, uh, I just got, I just, I, it's just as uncomfortable for them as it is for you. Make it a game, whoever talks first. Uh, but I, I will probably steal the take a sip method because- <laughs> Sometimes I catch myself rambling and it's such a weird like feeling. Once you catch yourself, you almost like feel bad. You're all, oh, yeah. do, I'm, you know what? I'm going to shut up because I've been talking way too much. You guys talk. You guys talk. 
and you stay hydrated in the process. It's really a win-win. Right. Good reminder. <laughs> water is key. You need water to live. Uh, it looks like it looks like forty-eight percent. Most of the voters in the room believe that they talk just enough. Um, I know a friend, my friend Morgan J. Ingram, once got his talk time down to thirteen percent. Jeez, that's great. I, that's like magician stuff, man. Like thirteen percent. Like, what did you say yesterday on the on the show? He he gave us a little taste of like how he responds to objections and stuff. It's 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 pretty good. Like it's very quick. And it, why do you say that? And you're like. I don't, I just have to like keep talking. Like I have to. <laughs> I got like 27%. After a week, uh, it's probably 27%. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Uh, all right. So here, this is a good one from Tom. How do you handle the no? You're, you're at the closing call. You think this is a good fit. Everything is checked the box. Maria, I just don't think this is right for us. What do you say? Why is that? Like we got to, Quick, yeah why is that like tell me what's going on like so when that happens you just gotta turn the tables and let them talk again you're silent right like you ask the question and give them like time to answer that yeah i asked her y'all yesterday when we were talking about this i said what do you do because aj and i agree that that awkward silence kind of feels like i'm gonna ask a question and then it's like and it's this awkward feeling so I said, Maria, well, you know, what face do you make? And she goes, I smile. <laughs> but just the smile. <laughs> That's so good. Smile uh, and wave, boys. Do the wave, right? Uh, Tom, Tom wants to know, how do you handle the no? AJ, you got the no. What do you say? After they're like, you know, AJ, this looks great. I just, you know, I don't think it's for us. Yeah, I mean, I would say, just like Maria said, like, why not? Um, honestly, at that point, like, I try to think of myself in... in their shoes if i went to a store and i'm like yeah i don't think these shoes are for me and someone was like i think they are they're pretty comfortable like you said you want something comfortable i'd be like okay dude like i i don't want the shoes okay like so it's fine to get a no it's like it's okay to get that no i try and more use it as like an opportunity for feedback so every single deal that i get that doesn't close i'm like hey totally understand such and such is a great product hopefully we'll be able to work with you guys in the future i'm curious like out of the whole sales process, like, do you have any feedback for me? I'm trying to improve every day and would really appreciate it. And 90% of the time I will get something that I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's something I could improve on. I didn't know this was a priority for them. Or I didn't know like this certain feature was a, was a deal breaker. And then as I continue, like you can learn that about future deals, which is super, super helpful. Anytime you can come from a lost deal and apply something you learned to a future deal, I feel like we grow as sales professionals in those moments. So asking for feedback when they give you the no is probably the best move you can make. I do agree that why not? <laughs> why not? Why not? It's a little bit of like a, oh, well, well let me explain, right? And then they have to explain why. Uh, and then the feedback of what you could have done better, definitely good. This is a good one from Raphael right here. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll do this together uh, with the two of you, I think. I'll give you the context. He says, what would you do if... You had, if, if you had a digital marketing agency in Brazil and it needed to change the way your niche is seen, people here are really worried about signing a deal because it's a really easy market to get in. So there are a lot of scammers trying to scam people and it's getting harder to schedule a meeting as days go by. Maria, you want to take it first? I mean, I'm from Brazil, so I know what- Hey-o. 
Yeah, I know what Raphael means when he talks about the scammers. But that's a tricky one. Um, I feel like there are lots of conversations that need to take place. Uh, a lot of discovery that needs to be done and lots of questions that need to be a be asked before anything. Um, I feel like the best way would be to come up with a plan uh, with your manager or if you work by yourself, uh, try to understand their business, try to understand that niche and create a proposition or a project that, you know, is just a good fit. And that takes time. I mean, especially in Brazil. Yeah, you know, scammers are not just in Brazil. They are all over. Everywhere, A lot of yes. people scamming everybody. But also, but also scammers exist on all stages of our sales cycles, right? Like everybody, nobody wants to waste their time on a cold call from somebody that's trying to scam them. Just like nobody right. wants to build up trust with someone and then sign an agreement only to find out they've been scammed. Right. Um, AJ, when you think about overcoming this or trying to represent yourself as a non-scammer, what does that look like for you? I would say like um, something that I would lean into if you have the opportunity is is like reference calls. Um, I do that all the time now. Like if you have happy customers that have gone through this process before, like have them hear from like a an impartial third party and yeah. like, hey, you know, I've done I've done X, Y, and Z results for this person. If you're you know if you're open to it and this sounds like a good fit for you guys, like you open it like a fifteen minute chat just with so and so, and they can kind of walk you through what we did for their business. And then it's like, you kind of build that social proof of like, Hey, like I'm not a scammer. I literally like did these results. This customer is going to talk to you about it. And it builds that credibility, credibility, like immediately. I like the reference move. I feel like it's hard to see a peer telling you that it's worked for them and think someone is a scammer for sure. Um, but I agree with you. I think that we have to take the steps that identify us as legitimate business people. Omnipresence will often do this. I heard a stat once that like 70% of people go to social media before they decide to give a salesperson time. So if you're representing yourself as that professional, that subject matter expert, chances are good you're not going to be viewed as a scammer. But if they can't find you or if they see you and it just looks like you're a scammer, your chances of getting replies and getting good traction on that deal are pretty small. Maria, one of the things that you brought up that you wanted to talk about that I think is extremely important for everyone in this room is negotiation. Um, negotiation, definitely something that I think a lot of people get uncomfortable about, something we struggle with, especially new sellers. And you're, to your point, you know, when you were new, you had to adjust to all these things. Uh, what do you have to share with our audience on the negotiation front today? Yeah, I struggle with negotiation quite a lot. Um, I felt at times when I was, you know, trying to close a deal and they were pushing back on pricing that I had to give in. And I felt like I gave people too much when I didn't get anything back. Um, and so I feel like it's just really important to talk about this is a mutual agreement. There are two parties getting into it. Um, and so it has to be good for everyone. And so I feel like it's really important to not just be the one that keeps on giving. Uh, and I feel like that was really difficult for me. I'm not sure if anybody can relate to that, but I've always been like, okay, I want to make sure that I'm working with you to help you. But then what are you getting in return? Right. Like maybe you're getting the the short end of the stick and that's you shouldn't be getting the short end of the stick should be split in half. It's a give get world that we live in. And when you're in that deal, it's a give get deal. And we use that pretty regularly. AJ, when you get into negotiation conversations, what kind of things go through your mind? What kind of strategies do you use? I ask like what else a lot because I want to get a good idea of the entire package. So like I don't want to I'm not getting into a negotiation about like 
pricing and then about payment terms and then about length of contract and then about, you know, this and that. I'm like, someone says like, hey, the pricing, you know, the pricing doesn't work for us. I'm like, okay, what else? And get everything out together so you can negotiate in a bundle, not not piece by piece. Because you want to, I always convey like, hey, listen, I want to get exactly where you guys are hung up on. So I can go to my finance team one time, make the best case. Because you're on the same team, right? You're like, they need this. You're helping them get this. And the the enemy, hopefully no one from my finance team is on this, the enemy <laughs> team, that you're like, hey, listen, I'm going to make the case for you and, and go to bat for you, but I need to get a good understanding of the entire full picture. So I say like, if we can do this, or if we can kind of meet them in the middle here, they'll be able to sign. And this is the date that they have committed to signing by if we can do X, Y, and Z. I like that you actually put them on this spot of being like, if we can do this, is it a go? Because yeah. to your point, you said this before and it totally rings true, right? You, you, they ask you for something and then you say you could do it and then it doesn't close. They come back to you for another ask and then it doesn't close. And before you know it, you've done all that you can and you're still waiting on the other foot to drop here. <laughs> yeah. It's important to know like once you're able to do this, like, is that the final hurdle? Is that the real final hurdle? Yeah. If it's not, then you're wasting your time. You could be spending that time on a different deal. And like this person might not even be worth like making the case to your team and to have them maybe like, you know, reduce the price or terms, whatever it is. Yeah. I love it, man. Okay. This is the best part. This is something new that I'm excited about. We're going to give you a couple micro strategies. For those of you that are still here, we are going to leave you with something that everybody can do. AJ, you talked about your board. We got a picture of it. Put it up here for everybody to see. Tell me about this process. Break this down for everybody real fast. And then we're going to show an example from Maria. Yeah, real quickly. So Ace is like uh, appreciating their time. So like, hey, thanks for coming. Confirming your end time. Hey, I have us down for 30 minutes. Does that still work for you? Um, I was planning on covering this during the call. What else would you like to cover? They'll give you a, something additional that maybe you need to include in your demo. Doing a little bit of discovery. Understand their timeline getting those priorities, I call it like a priority bridge. So like literally understanding, hey, these are your priorities. This is what you need to get to. Recap that to them and then jump into the demo. That demo should be super focused on the priorities they shared with you and the things that you learned in discovery. So if it's like speed, you want to show them how quickly they can get this stuff done using your right. And then it's ask for the close. How do you feel about this? How soon do you want to get started? What's the ideal start date in your mind? Those kind of things. This stair-step process is something that everyone can do. Take a screenshot of this. If you want to share it with the world, feel free. Uh, but I think this is a great process that everybody can adopt to start closing more deals. And you'll notice that it's a great progression up to that closing point. All right, let's look at a quick example from Maria. And then we're going to get a couple more questions from the Q&A. So jump in, ask your questions for these two experts. We're going to share some insights for you for sure. Okay, Maria, something that you said to me that stood out was that you send different messages that have kind of a different vibe when you're in your follow-up processes. Break this email down for everybody, and let's talk about these different emails that you be sending. Yeah, so I like to take a consultative approach. Um, I feel like a lot of salespeople are always pushing for the close. Um, and even though I want it to close, I want to make sure that they see me as an ally versus as a salesperson. So after every call, I always sat next steps. I feel like that's a given. Like, don't ever go to like, like, don't ever finish a call without next step. Otherwise, that's yeah. never going to close. Yeah. Um, so after that, I send this email, very 
personalized to the person that I spoke to, just reminding them uh, what we discussed. Um, and I always like to send them some resources, right? But resources that are actually relevant to them, not just random things. Um, and then after that, I just put myself out there for them. I'm like, I'm here for you. If there are any questions between now and our next meeting, feel free to come to me at any time. I want to make myself available for you at, you know, throughout this whole entire uh, cycle, because I want to make sure that they know that they can come to me. Um, and it's just like, it's, it's been life-changing. This places you in a position of being an ally, being somebody that wants to see them succeed, not the, I'm going to sell to you and then poof, I vanish forever. Uh, that part <laughs> is the part that I think a lot of people, I think that's where that slimy sales rep approach kind of was born, right? Uh, convince, convince, persuade, persuade. Uh, you finally give in and then I'm like, hey, thanks. And I'm out, right? Like, that's that's kind of how the view is for buyers in a lot of ways. We got some great questions here from Vincent Dujardin. I think I said that name right, or Dujardin. Uh, it says, how do you react when a prospect constantly postpones the project in the decision-making process? Let's start with AJ. Mm, I do something called like a, this is all like winning by design stuff, but like a critical event timeline. So like, if they, for example, for me, they're like, hey, we need to be compliant by X date because our customer has requested this. So I'm like, hey, let's work backward from that date and understand like what needs to happen by when so we can keep on track. So like, instead of saying like, hey, you guys promised you'd make a decision on Friday, I'm like, hey, are we still on track to make a decision by Friday so we can get onboarding started by this date so you guys can fly in by this date? So like work backwards from what their goal was so they're on the same timeline as you and you're making sure like each of you guys are kind of holding each other accountable. That's what I was going to say was it feels like this is an opportunity for you to hold your prospect accountable for something that they chose as the start date. And isn't that more powerful than us choosing a start date and hoping for the best. I think that's a good strategy. Maria, same question, right? Somebody says, you know, next time, next time, next time, they just keep postponing. How do you react to this? Do you walk away at some point or is there a strategy in place? Well, I hate to be the three-peat, but I, I agree. I feel like it's all about accountability, right? Like, and it goes back to like the entire sales process. It's not only about the person, it's also about you. It's not only the customer. It's like your time, it's, you know, your timeline as well. And so I love that AJ approaches it like, let's walk backwards, right? Like, this is the date and let's see what else we're missing to get you to that timeline, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's all about accountability at, the, at, at that point. There's a moment there where you almost have to be like, hey, you chose this date. Yeah. Right? This was your decision. So I mean, included like gong snippets sometimes. So I'm be like, hey. Totally understand that you guys need a little bit more time. When we spoke on this time, you mentioned this date was really important to you. Has priorities changed or like, is there That's is been different? And they're like, and they'll explain it to you. If, if it is a real concern or like a real like objection, they're going to explain it to you. And then you're like, great, now I understand. And we can work together to for this new date. That I would be really like embarrassed if somebody had to send me that particular message with that attachment of me making a promise. Uh, we had some great questions in here. Uh, I want to give a final thought. If you guys have one thing that you want everybody to come away from this show thinking about when it comes to closing, what would it be? Maria? Um, I feel like just be prepared for it all, right? Like it's not always about you. <laughs> and also there are creative ways, um, 
of closing deals without skipping steps. Um, and I mean, don't do it alone. Like you have your peers, go to your peers. You have your manager, go to your manager. Don't be afraid of, you know, just seeking help and seeking improvement. Good, good advice right there. AJ, final thoughts for closing calls. I would say be a human first, put yourself in their shoes. Like imagine how you would want to be spoken to if you're trying to buy something. Um, you know, you're not, you're not a salesperson first. You're a human first. So like having a legit conversation, I always imagine how would I talk to this person if we were grabbing drinks at a bar? Be that person. Don't be the mission breath. Like I need you to buy this right now or I'm on a pip. <laughs> yeah, that's a great piece of advice right there. Talk to them like you talk to your friends and you're going to find that they often become your friends. I want to thank everybody for coming out. Thank you both for sharing your wisdom with our audience here today. Connect with us on social. Follow us. Anywhere you like, we are on almost every social media platform known to man. Say What Sales is my handle. Follow me personally. And I want you guys to know you're going to get a survey after this. That is very important to us. We want to know what we did well, what you want to see more of, how we can improve. We make this stuff for you, the folks on the front lines that are reaping the benefits from experts like AJ and Maria. We're going to see everybody next time for another stellar episode of Sell Better. Make it happen out there. You know we're rooting for you, and we will see you all tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone.